What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Career Ender Waterfowl Podcast. As always, I am your host, Harrison Vaughn, and in today's special episode, we are going to be joined by one of the other owners of Career Ender, Mr. Colin Carlton. In today's episode, we are going to be diving in to our personal recaps of the 2019 duck season, as well as looking forward to what plans we have for the 2020 duck season coming on this fall. So you guys stay tuned and we are going to dive right in. Here we go. All right, what's up, everybody? And like I said earlier today, we are joined by Mr. Colin Carlton. Colin, say hey, everybody. How y'all doing? All right, in today's episode, we are going to be diving in to a recap of last year's duck season, as well as whatever plans the two of us may have for the upcoming 2020 season. So, Colin, tell everybody a little bit about what your season was like last year. You know, um... The season last year, it started off pretty slow. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't get cold early. You know, our right. uh, October split, you know, we only shoot mainly wood ducks. All we got, we don't have a teal season where we are. It's uh, that's down the coast. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, first first split was, it was all right. It was nice to get out there in the woods and just get back into it. But, you know, once November rolled around, I was hoping for some colder weather and Man, we just didn't get it. No, I mean, we didn't. that's the problem. Yeah, and I think that was um, probably the same way across across most of the southeast and the south in general. It was just warm up until the end of the season, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know how it always is. You get, um, you might get one or two cold snaps where you get a, a good push of birds. Mm-hmm. But um, where we're located at, they just they just don't sit. I mean, they're either they're either moving out within a few days or they just don't come down far enough. But you know, two years ago. Whenever we had those uh, that two week period where it didn't get get above forty degrees, oh yeah, everything all the farm ponds froze over. Oh yeah. So once you get all these birds pushed off farm ponds and they get out to to main lake and open channels, that's mm-hmm. when you get your really good shoots. But you know, it's just we had a few banger hunts, um, killed a few bands last year. That was a plus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, I mean, you know, it's just. I'm hoping that next year will be a little better. I hope we get some cold weather in. I agree. And I think that, I mean, especially with, with being around here, like like we said with that first split, it's primarily wood ducks. And even though we don't rely on much of a migration to get those wood ducks in because a lot of them are local, that warm weather still jacks up every aspect of hunting them because those birds are For staying sure. tucked back in areas where no one's hunting them because they don't need to yep. come out onto that open water without the cold. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And that's, that's the thing, too. And, you know, once you get these wood ducks in, and um, most of your wood ducks, I mean, they're small holes. Mm-hmm. They're not big open water. We did kill a few big open water, which is rare. That was actually open today. Yeah. We weren't expecting to. We actually found a good bit of mallards open today, probably about um, on about 40 sitting on a on a roost in the evening. And we went back there in the morning mm-hmm. and set up uh, pretty close to them. And we probably saw two mallards that morning, but we did shoot a few wood ducks. But, uh you know those wood ducks. If you can get back in those little nooks, oh, back yeah. in those small holes, I mean, you know, they just drop. They just drop from the sky. It's not much circling there. It's just you oh, absolutely. Be ready to shoot. Yeah, one of the the weirdest hunts I had this year was we were actually uh, me and a couple guys, uh, Jonathan Grimes, who goes to Appalachian State. Um, we were down at some of his family land down in Siler City. If you know where that is, Colin, down down yep. east. Yep. 
we were down there hunting on a little piece of private land that his his uncle owns, and it was just a tiny little. It looked like flooded timber. I mean, it it was weird. It was just a little little overflown creek where some beavers had dammed it up, and it was the first year it had flooded. And we went back in there, and I tell you what, I have never seen that many hooded mergansers. Really, it was absolutely ridiculous. I think we shot between the four of us. We all shot. Uh, what was it? We shot over fifteen between the four yeah. of us. Yeah, and I mean, it was it was ridiculous. There were just a ton of mergansers in there, and we actually had one guy shoot a band, and the bird was banded out of Ontario. Really? Yes, which was weird because I didn't even know why a and this was in. This is over Christmas break. This was before New Year's, so I think it was it was late December that we did the hunt, and it was ridiculous to think that a bird banded in Ontario, Canada, had migrated down to Siler City, North Carolina, much less a meganser. I, I could I could understand it more if someone shot a mallard or a pintail out of there that migrated down, but for a hooded meganser to come that way, it was it was a shock to see for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean. Um, the pintail harvest wasn't very good. Mm-mm. I do know a buddy that did shoot a pintail last year, yeah. his first one, and it was a stud drake. And the next mm. day, he went back to the same spot and could have landed a banded black duck. Oh my gosh! What part? What part yeah. of the state was this? This was over towards. It's actually near the Catawba River. Right oh mercy! River, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he said the banded the banded black duck, and I couldn't believe that. I mean, that was his first black duck, his <laughs> first band. Um, the day before he killed a his first pintail. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, you know, it's just luck of the draw, but um, oh, like we said, yeah. you know, Parker and I went to the coast. Yes. Um, when did we go? Jan- we went. Y'all went in January because I couldn't go because that was the yeah. weekend I was going to uh, the archery trade show in Indianapolis. Yes, that was because that's the, that was right after New Year's. Uh-huh. Right? Yep. Because when we went down there, you know, we went down, we scouted. Um, I'm telling you, we scouted so hard that first evening. Mm-hmm. I mean, we put some miles on the boat. The, it got really rough out the sound. Yeah. We found some ducks. Um, a few big ducks flew over early the first morning. Mm-hmm. Just killed some buffalo heads, not much to it. And uh, the next day we went actually with a guide out in the current tuck yeah. down towards the Oregon Inland area. Yeah. And let me tell you what, it was slow. We were oh, sitting goodness. out in the big water. Mm-hmm. I think we killed, I killed a scoter and then we killed a... Him bluebill, nothing, nothing special about it. Right. But I mean, we we would see big flocks of redheads and stuff, but mm-hmm. they they just didn't want to. They didn't want to play. I mean, they were just starting decoys. Everybody. I mean, it was basically a sky blast out there, which is it's what it is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it it was a weird year all around. I think for for a lot of people around here, and I I know I didn't personally. I mean. We hunted High Rock Lake for the most part for the majority of the year, and then we went to a couple different lakes, uh, but High Rock for the most part. And High Rock is notoriously slow anyway, much less yeah. on a bad year. I, I, I can't I can't tell you how many hunts we had where we didn't see a single duck other than maybe three or four hooded mergansers and a couple wood ducks right at first light. It was yeah. just – it was weird, yeah. a weird, weird year. Now, one thing is uh, Will Beecham, Parker's cousin – he actually shot a pintail on opening day. I don't know if you saw that picture. I did. I think I did. I think Parker showed me that. Yeah, that weird look. I, I don't know if it was a – I called a couple different people. The The conclusion they all came to was that it was a year-old uh, male pintail because yeah. of the coloring on the bill. But it was the weird – we spent 30 minutes trying to figure out what kind of duck this was because it looked like a pintail but not really. 
I mean, it had the body yeah, shape, yeah. it had the bill, it had the feet, but it didn't really look like a pintail. But that was a weird thing to see in November, opening day of second split, was a year-old pintail migrating down to High Rock Lake. Well, see, last year, uh, Christian Bodenheimer and I mm-hmm. went to High Rock, and we went opening day of second split. Yeah. We actually went out there the Friday before, mm-hmm. spent the night on my boat, and <laughs> out there i mean you know whenever it's open day a second split oh yeah you gotta do what you gotta do oh gosh man and, i mean we were sitting out there sleeping in a 16 foot warrior going, <laughs> i mean it's pretty tight i mean there wasn't much sleeping involved yeah exactly it was, it, it was more just sitting and talking all uh-huh. and the evening before I, I could i have never seen that many wood ducks in one spot in my life oh yeah he has a video of like like mosquitoes just coming in and wanting to sit in there all night oh, there were just roosters around top and they just kept you hear them uh-huh. all night long. And the next morning, by 5 o'clock, we probably had four different groups around us. Oh I mean, it's gosh. just, yeah. it doesn't matter what time you get out there, guys. To yeah. hunt public land, oh gosh, yeah. you have, you, you've got to fight the crowd. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to go to good spots, you're going to have people set up on you. That's part of it. That's oh, part big of time. In general. Oh, dude, that right. same that same morning we uh we went out we were on a different part of the lake than y'all, but we uh we were in uh we stayed at the Beecham's house and went out to uh, a different spot, and we we still got out there at I think we left their house and got in the boat at twelve forty. I believe that got on sure. the water, yeah. got out to the spot, and we thought, oh, well, Will had wanted to wait until two to get up and get on the water because he thought of surely. No one's going to be on the water by then. And we were like, the rest of us were like, no, we got to get on the water at 1245 at the latest. So we did. And we went out there and we we got to the spot. We got all the decoys. We just went ahead and set up the decoys, got our spot claimed. And then Will took the boat back to the house because he forgot his, I think he forgot a box of shells or something. So he left. And keep in mind, it's like 115 when he, when he drives the boat off and we're still sitting there. Within five minutes of him pulling out, three more boats come back into the cove. Oh, yeah. And we just, we turned the flashlights on and waved them off. But of course, what do these guys do? They set up about 200 yards from us on the main lake. Yep. Yep. See, now, my thing is, like, if you're, if people hunt with, like, hunt near me, Uh it doesn't bother me. No. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me to the point until they start sky blasting birds that are trying to work. Yep. And that's what we had happening. That's the one thing that bothers me. Okay, guys, if you're going to set up, Work with me, okay? We're going to set up near each other. If you have birds coming in, I'll, I'll respect that. You you have those birds. Work the birds, right. But, exactly, work the birds. If you're going to start sky blasting birds, especially in November, mm-hmm. when these birds aren't, they aren't used to it. Right. They aren't, they aren't shy yet. And that's how you burn a spot out. Every, exactly. Yeah. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And unless you get fresh birds constantly, like the Mississippi Flyway and stuff, every week, you're going to... It's going to come to the point by the end of that November split that these holes are they're burnt out. Totally it's, burned out. Yeah. And and start a third split to burn out. Oh, so absolutely. They have no time to recover. Yeah. Um. It was. I mean, that it just happens. Land. Exactly. That's public land for you. It's just it's wild to to go through all that. It's. I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but it is. It, there's yeah, definitely sure. a lot to have to deal with when it comes to hunting public land. Yeah. And my thing is, I tell you something that's really helped mm-hmm. that I've been using a lot more is Onyx Map. Oh, absolutely! I do the same um, thing. If, if, if people, if if fellow duck hunters that are listening to this are not using that, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, invest in it. 
because if you bring up anything GIS maps mm-hmm. for your county, they're going to show the exact same thing as Onyx. Okay, yep. every land map is the same, and I cannot tell you how many times I have been in a hole, and you have people that think they own this hole because their land backs up to it. Uh-huh. That is not their hole. No. Now they they will come in and say it goes off water lines and stuff. Okay, right. Maybe to a degree. Yeah. But when I pull up four different mapping sites and they all show the same layout. Yeah. That's not your land. That's not your land. Exactly. And, and, and duck hunters as a whole, they, we need to combat that. I mean, that's the thing. Like People are claiming these holes that they do not own. Uh-huh. And that that's a problem. And I know last year, what lake was it, Harris? Was it um, that the petition was going around about not duck hunting? Oh, um. I can't remember. I think it was. Yeah. I, I think, think it was. was. Yes. Yes, it was. was. Yep. Because there was the big debate about duck hunting and stuff, and that's uh-huh. the problem. That now is these regulations on laws, but I mean, boat ramps, one task I tried a lot more last year was hunting Main Lake. Yep. I tried catching these birds when they're roosting on the Main Lake, coming, mm-hmm. going to their feeding holes. Yeah. And it worked some because. There was nothing to lose last year. Right. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't going to miss a big hunt in the hole. Right. I mean, it was it was it was an interesting year last year. Now I know you and Parker laid them down pretty good on Hickory, right? Yes, we did have we did have some good hunts on Hickory. Um, the one morning we killed those two, the, I killed those two bands. We mm-hmm. shot three. Yeah. Mallards. Um. Uh, it was kind of a weird morning. It was slow. Uh-huh. Um, didn't see anything really all morning. Saw a few, but we actually we uh, we actually we had, I think we had a group of wood ducks work that morning pretty yeah. close. But they just, I mean, by by the end of the season, wood ducks are pretty shot out. Oh yeah, um, big time. But I'm trying to think. We were packing up to leave. I was walking to get the boat actually, and four mallards were working over top. that came over top of me, and I told Parker to get down, and mm-hmm. he, they came in and. I think Parker shot a hen, and then he shot the drake. Yeah. And I shot a hen. Well, the drake got winged really bad. Yeah. It was on the ground, and the drake got back up and was flying off. Oh. And I let Parker be the unit. Parker knocked it down. Uh-huh. Right. So I'm going I'm to let him shoot first. Right. So I let him shoot. He had one more shell in, and he airballs it. Oh, mercy. So I had two shells in and I'm like okay this thing better die I mean it's literally on the ground so I shoot it and I'm like uh, it falls I went to pick it up I'm like it's stranded oh gosh so you and knew I, at that point you knew that Drake <laughs> and, and, oh yeah and I went to pick up the hand I'm like it's stranded uh-huh. and I was like well that's the highlight of the season right there I mean nothing else really happened but oh gosh that's you awesome know, that's, that's the thing it's just you gotta stick to it guys oh yeah if you're not I mean you gotta wake up I mean, there's some days you wanna get up you don't want to get out of bed. You're like, yeah, it's four o'clock in the morning. Exactly. I don't want to hunt, and it's like it turns out to be the best hunt, hunt of the season. Oh, exactly. Oh, did I tell you what? We one of the the most well uh, besides the the hunt we had down in Siler City, and I killed a real nice uh, Drake mallard at the end of the season in January. But we had, I think it was, I think it was opening morning of third split. Uh, we were out hunting a hole, and it was me and Parker and two other guys. And right after it was real foggy that morning, we it, it, it I can't remember if I can't. Did you hunt opening day a third split? Probably I can't remember where I hunted. That it was pouring split. down rain, 
Yeah, I think it was too at home. Yeah, we we set up at at High Rock and we had a tarp over the boat. And I mean, it was like downpouring to the point where like every five minutes we had to push up on the tarp to dump the water out because it started to pull down. But we it, the rain let off right before first light. We got set up. All the decoys were out. We were ready. We were expecting it to be a pretty slow morning just because of the weather and everything. It was pretty warm. I think it was in the it was in like the fifties at like overnight yeah. in December. And right after first light, we had, I mean, a massive group of wood ducks come right into the decoys in this little pocket. I mean, when I mean like a big group, I mean, it was probably like 10 or 15 wood ducks followed by another group of 10 or 15. And then another group of like five or six came in and me and Parker, the spot we were in, they came in right at us, but we didn't see them until right at the last second. And then they landed right in front of the other guys in the decoys. So we're like, okay, let's, they didn't get up or anything. Let's wait until it's lighter out and we'll get them up off the water. Yep. Sure. Sure. As soon as they landed, me and Parker are sitting there and I look over at Parker and Parker's like, let's just wait. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But the other guys down who were hunting with us at the other end, we're sitting there. It's dead quiet. We can't even see the water cause it's foggy and it's still pretty dark. It's shooting light, but it's still too dark cause of the fog. And these guys unload on these birds on the water. And me and Parker are like, well, okay, at least they got some. Like, I'm sure they killed at least three or four because they were water swatting them. And as soon as they got done shooting, me and Parker look over and we're like, did y'all get any? They are like, no, we couldn't see him. We were just shooting at the water. I was like, you were doing what? They were like, oh, of course. And we were like, you couldn't see him? And they were like, no, but we figured we hit at least one. Uh, okay, so as soon as it got light, we took one of the other boats out and we're looking around. We never found any of these ducks. We didn't even find any of the feathers. But we, we knew the birds got up because as soon as they started unloading, you just heard that, that flush off the water and just these birds flying off in every direction. It was a, it was an interesting morning to say the least. I think me and Parker wound up shooting two or three more later in the morning, but that was an interesting first light shoot we had going there. Now, uh, what hunt do you have planned this year, Harrison? We are going, aside from hunting, I mean, just the lakes around here, Baden, uh, Blues, all those, uh, going down to Arkansas in, I think, the second week of December. Um, I know we're doing that, and then definitely going down to the coast at some point over the season. Um, Thankfully, I I just transferred colleges, so I'm... I was playing baseball at Piedmont, but I'm actually transferring, and I'll be doing, uh, online classes through Liberty, which Mm -hmm. is gonna, one, I'll graduate in about a year and a half. Uh, two, it really frees up my schedule to hunt. So I'm going to try to take advantage of that as much as possible. Definitely going to Arkansas, definitely going to go down to the coast at some point. I don't think, I don't think we're going to do a guided hunt down at the coast. I'm sure we'll just go down there and wing it just because why not? Yeah, uh, in yeah. North in North Carolina, you got to paying for a guide. You've still got about as much chance as doing it on your own, and you're not paying yeah. any money. So, I'm definitely going to the coast. Definitely going to Arkansas, and then I don't know. I'm sure another couple things will probably probably pop out as the season gets closer. During the season, we'll we'll get into some extra stuff. What you got going on? No, I'm just you know we were gonna go to Kansas. Yeah, um, I'm I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm just. It's just so hard with this coronavirus stuff right now. Yeah, I know. I, it's just I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you know, I go to Appalachian State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be a junior up here next semester. Mm-hmm. 
finish is hard because if we go online class next semester, yeah, then I'm all for it. You know, deer hunting. Yeah, absolutely. Hunt. Once duck season comes around, it's, it's going to be a game changer. Right. But I'm just interested to see what's going to happen with it all. It's, that's kind of the, the telltale sign. And, um, yeah, no, I definitely go on the coast, take the boats down there. Mm-hmm. You know, Parker just put that new motor on his boat. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I got my boat, so we'll go down there and mess around some. Oh, yeah. And then hunt around here. But other than that, I'd probably stay local this year just because – um, weather pattern. Yeah. If we get a crazy cold front. Yeah. Out west. Yeah. I could. I might possibly pack my stuff up and go out there and just go hunt somewhere. Just mill around. Um, yeah. And you know, just just go follow the birds. Just go mm-hmm. find them and just hunt them. But if not, I'll probably just hunt around here. Yeah. You know, hopefully get a good cold front here. Yeah. That'll be the big. If we get like we had two or three years ago. Oh yeah. Then then we'll be good. Then I'm not worried about it. But if oh, we yeah. get another 50, fifty degree mornings every day, yeah, it, it's just <laughs> the it, fifty degree know. mornings are killer. Oh yeah, they're not good. I yeah, mean, you know, and that and it's and it's, it's it's messing up with the ducks' habits. You know. Oh, big time. I mean, these ducks are getting stopped short of yeah. where they're going to go. Oh yeah. You know, um, North Carolina is not a big destination for ducks, anyways. But no. compared to like the Mississippi Flyway, exactly. Where, these ducks are stopping in Kansas and stuff, and they aren't getting down to, uh, like, Arkansas they usually do. Yeah. Especially, like, Louisiana and Texas. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been reading things online where it's just, it's desolate. Oh, dude, well, I mean, um, these big ducks are lazy, lazy birds. So if they don't have to fly south, they're not going to. They won't, exactly. No, they'll go as far south as they need, and then as long as that water isn't frozen up where they're at, they're not going to come any further south. Exactly. Yeah. Especially here, like on the Atlantic Flyway. Mm-hmm. I think something that this is an opinion, and yeah. like, some people might not agree with me, but I'm going to state it. Uh-huh. Okay, so Ducks Unlimited and Delta Waterfowl, they have these, they create these refuge for these ducks, right? Right. To breed, to mate, to do all their stuff that they need to do to survive and keep the population safe. Right. Okay. When these birds are flying down on the Atlantic Mississippi Flyway, either Pacific Flyway, mm-hmm. They are going to these refuge and sitting there. Yeah. Okay. And you cannot hunt these refuge. Right. The problem is these ducks are smart enough to know what refuges they get shot on. Yes. And which ones they don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So these ducks are going each year to the same spot that you can't hunt. Yeah. And so they're I just chilling. That, exactly. They're just hanging out. And mm-hmm. I think something that needs that Delta Waterfowl, Ducks Unlimited, and uh, other other habitat um, supporters need to look at is what can we do to get these ducks to change their, not their patterns. Right. But, but to maintain, their, right. Yes. Maintain what they should be doing. Trip. Right. As opposed exactly. to just flying and sitting where they're not getting exactly. shot at. Yeah. Exactly. So if, if they can somehow make a draw system, that yep. you can enter into, and they, ch- and they change which impoundments get hunted every year. Yeah. Like, one year these will get hunted, the next year these will not get hunted. Right. You know, <clears> that, that's how you're going to start seeing more birds killed. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, because those, those impoundments are definitely, or those those refuges are, are definitely big pieces to the, the conservation of them, but opening those up a little bit and allowing for some of it to get worked on so that these birds are maintaining their southerly mission to go south that that could definitely help with with keeping these birds pushing because i mean i know in 
the Atlantic Flyway specifically, a lot of the big ducks, I mean, we don't get that big push of mallards and stuff that a lot of the other flyways like Mississippi and Central Flyway get, but we still typically get a decent one when it gets cold. Yeah. But on yeah, these yeah. years where it's not getting cold, they sit up in Ohio, uh, New yeah. York, and they just hang out on these refugees. They don't, right. you know, they don't make yeah. their way down. They just chill. They just right. So, I mean, if you can and open that, that up a little bit and get those birds to push a little more, that would definitely benefit a lot of these southern yeah. hunters that are struggling with the the weather patterns not working out. But then you start get all these. Then you start getting into the talk about private land. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. These these places are planting millet. Oh yeah. Corn. They're bush hogging corn. So, um, you know, if that is, and the other topic that's a big topic we need to talk about one day, and we'll get more depth into. I think we should get into our next episode. Is mm-hmm. uh, is is cutting corn, planting corn, doing all this stuff? Is that considered baiting? You know? That is a big question. I've, I've heard that because I'm big into I, I do a lot with uh, with Antler King, um, the food plot company, and they yep. I'm, I'm real big into food. I love planting food plots for deer. I've got six already planted right now for the deer season. And I, I love planting food plots. And I've heard that argument made quite a bit as far as what is the because there's there's states that allow baiting and there's states that not for deer. Nowhere allows baiting exactly. for ducks. But like I know in North Carolina, we're a baiting state. You can go toss corn, and that's perfectly legal, and that's great. But then it comes into the question of, well, what's the difference in states that don't allow baiting with planting food plots and throwing corn out? And I think it really depends a lot on what you're planting. Like, I know there's a lot of people that are planting, when they're planting waterfowl impoundments and stuff, they're planting more nutrient-rich, nutritious, healthy foods for these ducks that they're growing. And then there's other guys that are just planting corn. And they're either cutting exactly. this corn or they're leaving it out, and those ducks are coming in and they're eating the corn, which really isn't all that nutritious for a duck. So then where do you draw the line between planting corn and going out with a bucket and tossing corn in some shallow water? Exactly. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's the problem now. It's like, okay, if you're planting your millet uh-huh. and stuff, all right. you're planting rye, okay, um, that, that's a pretty watery plant. Absolutely. Anyway. Right. You know, like it, it needs that, that moisture right. to grow. But planting corn – and then flooding it. I mean, you, you can grow corn now in what 45, 60 days. Yeah, exactly. Literally, and you're going out there, and it's not for it's not for harvest. It's for freaking cutting down to hunt. Right. You're gonna go in there. You're gonna plant it in mid July. You're gonna let it grow up exactly. to where you want it. Cut it, and then flood an impoundment, and then you basically just got a couple hundred pounds of corn out there. If you got a small impoundment, and you just shoveled it out there and went on with your day. Exactly, and it and it and. In some sense, it can be legal. I get it. Uh-huh. But in the ethical sense, right, is that a legal approach to duck hunting? Right. And is it and is it a a safe practice? That's a good. Qu- that's a big question to raise right there. Now I know you've hunted High Rock a lot. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you know. I'm not going to say exactly where it is, but there is a spot on High Rock. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a good spot. Everybody pretty much knows about it. There is a piece of private property near it, and there's a pond on it. And for some reason, every time people seem to hunt this spot on the lake, they never see any ducks. But all morning, there's shots going off every ten minutes on this private property. I'm sure yeah. you know where I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And right. you just no, hear no. these. Yeah. You, everybody and their mother knows what's going on. Exactly. And now, the problem is now there's not enough game wardens or wildlife uh-huh. officers to, to keep up with it all. I mean, 
you know, they, I've, I can't, I'm actually myself, I've had boating tickets before duck hunting. Yeah. You know, I've, I've got, I've got no nav lights on, but that's yeah. a different story for a different day. We've all ran know, into old GW on the water. I don't know what y'all think about the story, if I should have got a ticket there or not, but we're going <laughs> to leave it as, as it is. Um, but, you know, that's just, these wildlife officers, I feel like they focus more on boating tickets. Yeah. And they focus more on um, license, which is a big deal. Get yeah. your license, people. You know, support support the cause. Absolutely. But it's like, what about the private land that gets overlooked all the time? That's, I mean, these people are going out and killing either yeah. their limit every day or over their limit every day. And it's just like, yeah. I think I think a lot of that boils down to is I mean one like you said the just the lack of numbers in wildlife officers there just aren't enough of them so if yeah. you're if you're a wildlife officer and you're trying to to do your job and make sure people are going by the rules and stuff you can either go on maps figure out private lands where people could be duck hunting and you can go out there and check up on them and you might yeah, but- be able to regulate one property in a morning or you can go out to a public land where you know there's going to be hundreds of guys out there on one morning and you can ride around and check all them. So if, exactly. if you're looking at it from a number, if you're looking at it from a standpoint of who is probably doing it by the book, you would assume that the guys on the public land are probably doing it by the book, partly because yeah. there's a better chance of running into uh, an officer as as they should. But it, it raises that question of those guys on public land or on private land, they're getting overlooked by, by being checked by, by wildlife officers as to if they're doing everything legal because of the fact there just simply aren't enough wildlife officers out there, which then again raises the yeah. question of we need, we definitely need more of them. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just that, that definitely raises that question there. And that's an issue that, you, you know, that's just, um, that it'll it'll be it'll be figured out eventually. Yeah. You know? I mean, as we see these numbers of ducks, you know, in the last episode, you talked about the population of these ducks and uh, and where where we're sitting at right now. I think as as we start to see more private land created, mm-hmm. um, constantly and constantly each year, because people realize that to kill ducks now, it does almost take private land. Yeah, absolutely. You can kill them on public land, but if you're going to kill the amounts that people are trying to kill, mm-hmm. you're going to have to invest, and that involves money, and then it gets political. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just, guys, just hunt public land. I mean, I know people listen to this. It's like, I enjoy public land hunting. It's yeah. fun. It makes it it makes it something worth a while. I yeah. Mean, it's a chase that is that isn't easy. Um, absolutely. The, when it comes down to, yeah. And that's the thing is, I mean, when you're looking at, at the ethics of it, it's that that's what it boils down to. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of great authors out there who really analyze this in detail. Like uh, I love Aldo Leopold's books. And then one of the, the more modern guys is, is Steve Ranella. He does it definitely by the book. He's, he's a very good guy. If you're trying to learn about it or you're trying to get into it or learn what's right, what's wrong, what you should be doing. He's a great guy to to listen to and to read about or read some of his books. Uh, if you want to learn and get more into the ethics of hunting, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure, for sure, that, that, that's a key. Big that's time. A key today is you need to, see to analyze um, the tactics, and I know in the next episode or something we'll talk about a little more duck hunting, like for beginners, like how to get into it. You know? Absolutely, like, yeah. How, like what to do to better your success, and in, in a playing field where I mean it's, I mean it comes hell or high water. Big time, and I mean that's and the thing is we we have a 
we have a a lack of hunter recruitment going on right now where we're not getting as many new guys into the into the sport and into the hobby because of the difficulty it is to get into it. Um, exactly. And then and then you get these and but the problem is you get these people that are saying junior duck commanders, you know, right. that just come in and just wreak havoc on everything. But I mean that's not true. These guys are learning. They're trying to okay? learn, they, right. Instead they, of criticizing, exactly. why don't you help them out? And help them out. Right. Exactly. Don't be out there posting like and making them feel bad about right. it and giving them hell about it. I mean, go out and help these guys. I mean, take new guys hunting, get them out there, show them the way to do it. Right. Show them how to go set up a decoy spread. Show them how to sit, get away from people. Right. If you just space yourself out, oh yeah, and, and you won't piss people off. No. That's what it's coming down to. It's people just they're getting territorial over stuff that they that, that they don't even own. You know? Exactly. It's public. It's and I mean, for a reason. yeah. And when you look at it, as far as duck hunting specifically, because of the fact that duck hunting is is such an interconnected sport. I mean, when you, when you look at a deer hunter, they're hunting mostly on private land. Those deer are mm-hmm. traditionally in their area. They're not being shared by a nation's wide worth of people. I mean, ducks are migrating exactly. from another country down to where mm-hmm. we are. And it's, it's shared throughout the nation, those birds and that resource. So if you really want to be able to, to boost your sport, don't criticize other people trying to get into it. Don't be critical of them. Help them out because that's that's recruiting allies for the sport in the future. Exactly, and and that and to hold a tradition like duck hunting, that's yes, supposed to be a fun time and go out there and just go out with a bunch of friends. It's like your deer hunt. You gotta be quiet, right? Go out, have a good time. It's really not about killing, even though it makes it more fun, right? Just just go enjoy go it. Out there and do it because you want to do it. Some that's of my some of my most memorable hunts, we might have killed one or two birds, or we might have even killed none. It's about the the exactly. camaraderie and the social aspect of duck hunting. It's just, I mean, it's, fun. It, it's yeah. a blast. It is I mean, a blast. It's so much fun. Big time. Big time. Well, we will, uh, here on the next podcast, we will probably dive into one of those things we discussed today, be it the ethics of hunting or yeah, sure. beginner duck hunting, something like that. We'll, we'll definitely figure that out and dive it into it for the next episode. But guys, thank you all for listening to this segment with Mr. Colin. Colin. Yeah, thank y'all. Thank y'all so much for just joining in and getting us out there i mean we're trying to grow this thing to get it up there i mean we want to we just don't want to be another apparel company we want to be a company that promotes change Mm -hmm. promotes promotes ethical hunting and uh, an ethical standpoint for duck hunting so we can better uh better cherish this heritage that we've created Mm -hmm. absolutely well that about wraps up our time for this segment here today thank you for listening and colin thank you for coming on brother yeah thank you thanks for having me buddy yeah buddy we'll see you here in a little bit take care see you bye All right, everybody, thank you all for tuning in to this second episode of the Career Ender Waterfowl podcast. We are so thankful for you guys' support and for y'all tuning in and listening to us when we post these. We have a blast making them. We love talking about ducks. We hope you guys enjoy listening to them. Just a quick little thing. About midway, well, more than midway, at about the 30-minute mark of our second segment, we got cut off for a second, and then we reopened about a couple seconds later. So just so y'all know, if there's a little bit of a buffer at the end of that segment with Colin, just know that we we figured that out, and the, the segment restarts with the next little part. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. Y'all have a safe rest of your week, and listen to us on our next episode. Catch y'all later.